I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, mine was, uh, it was great. We always go up to my in-laws, and uh, they have 40 acres north of Fort Collins, and uh, it's in one of those areas where a cell signal just doesn't reach, and it is beautiful. <laughs> it is just wonderful. And um, every year, my in-laws always invite uh, friends or folks who don't have anywhere else to go, and, and uh, we get to be family together. And it is uh, a really fun time. And uh, thank God for all the blessings that he gives us, and, um, and there are many. And uh, it, it was great. Now, on uh, Thursday night, as I was enjoying uh, Thanksgiving and, and, and being surrounded by family and, and enjoying that, uh, uh, a, a thought occurred to me, like how we spent this day thanking for God what he's given us, and now we move into Christmas, a time of thanking God for the most incredible gift uh, that he gives us, and how amazing that is. And then, like, right on cue, uh, my father-in-law turns on the news, and, uh, and before me, I see people getting in a fist fight over towels uh, at some big shopping center. And, and it was so crushing at that moment, to think, man, does anybody really know what Christmas is all about? <laughs> right? The, we come from this, this point of great joy, and then I see this stress and this striving, and, and, and that is not it at all. Have you ever felt like, felt like Charlie Brown, maybe? Have you ever seen that, that Christmas special that comes on every year? That Charlie Brown Christmas special? Or, um, I found this out. It was a neat trivia for you. It was a last-minute production from Coca-Cola, put it together, uh, in 1965, put it on a shoestring budget. Um, they just wanted to find something, a cartoon or whatever they could, they could sponsor so they could get their commercials out. And the Peanuts were really famous uh, at that time of uh, and, and that point of history. And so um, they call in Charles Schultz, and they say, all right, what, what can we do? And so in the course of one day, they script out the... the the whole script for this thing, and um, and it's been running since 1965. It's uh, it's amazing. They did all right. Now, Charles Schultz did some interesting things in it. Uh, one of them, he added a jazz track track, which I love. The second thing is he put in, didn't put a laugh track in, which was weird, I guess, for things at the time. But something else that made the Coke execs a little nervous is that he he said, you know, I want to make sure that the Christmas story is front and center, and that you know we actually had to read it from scripture, or whatever. And they said, well, I don't know. If that'll work, and um, I think that it, uh, I think that it's worked fairly well. There's a point in that show, that point that Charles Schultz really wants to have in there. Uh, it follows the story of if you haven't seen the cartoon, I don't know how you've existed in America at this point, to <laughs> not, but if you haven't, um, you should watch it. It's online, uh, and uh, it follows this guy Charlie Brown, this little bald-headed kid, who uh, who tries to figure out enjoy Christmas, and so he tries all the different trappings, like all the different things, all the, the stuff around Christmas, and he tries to get into Christmas by just enjoying and celebrating with all these different things, and he finds out that all this stuff winds up empty, and this leaves him frustrated and discouraged, and, and, and he's just no joy, depressed. And so then at the most crucial moment at this, he cries out, just like I did that uh, Thursday night. Does anybody know what Christmas is all about? And uh, his good buddy Linus reminds him. In fact, I have it queued up for you because it does a better job if you want to just watch. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. 
Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, the host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christmas is thought about Charlie Brown. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? I think one of the most poignant uh, few minutes in television history. You know, it was at that moment that Charlie Brown recognized that, that it was about something much bigger than him. It was at that moment that Charlie began to realize the real purpose of Christmas, and it was at that moment that his despair turns to joy. His discouragement turns to happiness. His, his frustra- frustration turns to celebration. See, if we go through this, uh, this Advent series that we're beginning, that's the same hope that I hope that you hear. This, the message of Christmas. To hear the message that can change everything for you. If you come this, this morning discouraged or frustrated or, or down, God has good news for you. Really great news. If you come in today and and things are going well, then here's something amazing. Better things are on the way. That's the hope. And we're going to talk about it today, about this hope of Christmas. And so uh, we invite you to join us, not just today, but the next four weeks as we go through Advent, as we begin unwrapping these gifts that God gives us at Christmas. What has he done for us? And how to really fully enjoy them. Because if we don't, we can get caught up with folks and, and fight over towels and miss the joy. So I invite you to come and as we prepare our hearts this Advent season for Christmas to celebrate the wonderful gifts that God has given us. And so uh, the point of this series is not to lose all the trappings of Christmas, not to get rid of the decorations and the bows and all those things. No, it's to, instead, it's to find Christ through them. To remind ourselves what these things actually are supposed to represent in the first place. And then this, to, to meet Christ and to spend time with him. And to find that joy, it's a great thing. So the series uh, is Advent. If um, maybe you're new to what Advent is, uh, might be a strange concept for you. Uh, if you didn't grow up in a more liturgical style of church, Advent is just means the arrival, the coming. And as Advent, all we're doing is we are celebrating the arrival of God. He came. And that's a big deal. And so that's what this series is about. That's what we do is, as Christians. We take time. It's not just to, to create little calendars with chocolates behind them to count up to Christmas Eve. It's, it's something so much more. It's to begin to prepare ourselves for what God has for us, what, for the coming of Christ and what that means. And so it's a season of expectation. It's a season of waiting, yes, but it's also in a season of anticipation, of, of longing and of preparation. The Advent is one of those times, it's not just a, a tag on to Christmas, it's a, it's a time, time that, that links us to our past and our present and also into our future. 
It's a time where it reminds us of the big story that we're part of. And that's what gives us such joy and hope in the midst of our world today. And so uh, in Advent, we have um, different uh, symbols, things that happen. Now, of course, symbols don't mean anything if you forget what they mean. That was Charlie Brown's problem, right? And so uh, in Advent, we're going to celebrate. We have an Advent wreath every year. And why a wreath? Well, it's evergreen. The neat things about evergreens, in the wintertime, they don't die, right? That's the evergreen. So there you go. And why a wreath? The circle, it reminds us of the eternal life of God that we have in Christ. What Christ has given us. Isn't that neat? Every time you see a wreath, a wreath, you are celebrating Christ's eternal life. And then the candles. We have four of them, which is uh, uh, pretty neat. Uh, each week, and we light each candle. As we light each candle, we begin to celebrate the coming of Christ, the true light of the world who came amongst us. And so each candle has a meaning. Today we're going to talk about hope. Uh, which is uh, important. Now, the colors also have value, have importance. And, and uh, I was fascinated by this because I grew up in a Catholic church when I was little, and they had this every year, and I never knew what the colors were, especially the pink one. Like, why do you have that one stand out? But purple is the color of preparation. And that's what it is. It's a time for us to remember to prepare our hearts for God. God. Because he's coming. Have you ever had somebody fit, like important come to your house? You know, maybe it's like a boss or like maybe like your mother-in-law or something like this. You know, they're coming and you, you just want to make a good impression, right? And you know they're coming in advance. So what do you do? You don't just like lay around until like three hours before they get there. You shouldn't, right? You know they're coming. What do you do? You get the house ready. You, you make it smell like you, you put bread in the oven, right? So it smells good, right? You, you make sure all the decorations are up. You make sure that they, you have your, your fridge stocked with their favorite refreshments, right? You prepare for them coming, and it's fun. The preparation is exciting. And that's what Advent is. The color of purple reminds us this is a time to begin preparing ourselves for Christ. And if we miss this opportunity, then I think we miss out on so much of the joy of Christmas. Now, that crazy pink candle is actually rose. Um, it's a, it's a sub, sub, um, it stands for joy. And it happens in the third week. We, as we begin to prepare and prepare, remember there's a joy in this. And of course, that white candle in the center is the Christ candle. And it reminds us that the light of the world has come. And we get to light that on Christmas Eve, and it's so fun. And it reminds us of this wonderful passage from Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus came. So the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That is Christmas. That was a promise, actually, that, that the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah gave the, through the Holy Spirit, gave the people in the midst of a time of deep darkness. So the, the nation that, of Israel was going through a time of, of, of great despair. They were basically falling apart. The northern kingdom had been walking and wandering far from God and was going to be captured and, and, uh, and basically destroyed by the Assyrians. It was a bad time. It was a time in which it seemed like wickedness was winning. It was a time in which uh, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of room for joy. When the world seemed dark, God sends a promise and he says, you know what? <laughs> it's not going to be dark forever. There's a light coming, not just a little light. I like that too. It's a great light. It's like the huge floodlight. It's not like a, little, like a little lantern out there. It's like, boom, God's coming. And the world will see it. It's for all of us. 
And God comes to those in the midst of the deepest darkness. And we get to celebrate that at Christmas. Because I don't know about you, but this world is a dark place. I've experienced some of that. It's not a fair place, is it? In fact, that's one of the first things we have to teach our kids if they want to be able to function as adults. The world's not fair. Otherwise, they're just going to be angry their entire life. It's, it's not an easy place. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. And good things happen to good people and bad people. It doesn't always seem just. It's a place where, where we struggle. It's a paradise, but it's a paradise that has been cursed. And so we enjoy the beauty, and yet also there are times in life that we, we suffer the storms. No matter how dark the world has become, Christmas reminds us that God has not abandoned us. It reminds us that the world cannot be so dark that the light of Christ can't burn through and shine through. And so uh, Advent is is a wonderful time. It's a joyous season where we remember the truth of reality. God has come. We connect ourselves to the bigger story. It, it's that opportunity when we could be like Charlie Brown and, and stop that inward focus thinking about where is happiness right now in me? How am I going to enjoy this? And it begin to have an, out, have an outward focus and begin looking at God and in anticipation for what he's about to do. And so over this next series, we're going to be talking about hope and, and peace and joy and love in Christ. God's gifts to us. And so the first uh, gifts as we go through this time is we're going to celebrate, uh, unwrap, an important gift, the gift of hope. Now, hope is a, is a powerful uh, gift. Um, I got to go to a conference last week, and boy, Warren did a great job, didn't he? Oh, man, he's phenomenal. I told him, I had to watch out, and he's not going to want me back. <laughs> he's good. But, uh, but as I was at the airport, I like to read things on the airplanes, so I went into the little bookshop in, in the airport, and I picked up a little, a little book about Alexander the Great, because I like historical uh, nonfiction. And so it's kind of the story about some of his leadership and, and strategy principles and some of the stories about what he did. And something that caught me interesting in this that I didn't know about Alexander uh, was this, is that uh, one of his strategies for conquering uh, was this. He would take um, his armies and he would basically spread them out so they looked even bigger than they were. And he would go through and he knew like the capital cities, the walled cities that he would want to take. And they were going to be hard and they would lose a lot of guys fighting those walled cities. So what he would do is he would take his army and spread them out so there would be reports coming from everywhere back to those, the, the captains or the, the king or whatever in that walled city about how massive this army is. It's just huge. And what he would do is all these little towns that were on, that were on the outside, he would go through and he would devastate the people. I mean, just be as wicked and brutal as you could possibly think and would destroy things and would just leave devastation in the wake, moving in. So the report would come back to the people in the walled city about how brutal and how they're, they're just unstoppable. By the time Alexander's armies would come up against the walled city, the, the people on the inside had been robbed of hope. And so they would quickly surrender. And so Alexander, in the quote in the book, was actually by one of his generals, and I'm sure it was uh, translated, interpreted, or whatever, but it said, Alexander, what he said is, I don't, wage, I, I don't take cities by waging war against the armies. I take cities by waging war against hope. When we destroy hope, there is nothing left for us but victory. 
I think so much of us in our life, if we go through this world as humans and we lose hope, we, we have nothing left but defeat, right? The world just comes and beats us. When, when life becomes so difficult, when, when, when we lose hope that anything, anything's going to get better, we just lie down. But that's the amazing thing about Christmas. That's why this gift is so powerful, is God gives us hope. And we'll talk about that hope. But the first thing is, like Sean said, we need to make sure we're talking about the right kind of hope. See, most people, when we talk about hope, think about what they, they say. They, they say, hey, I hope for something. They'll say things like this. Well, like, I, I hope that the weather gets nicer. Right, or uh, I hope the you know she'll meet me there. Right, or I hope that my car starts. Right, sometimes you've ever been there. Or maybe they said like this: um, I hope the Broncos win tonight. Think something like this. <laughs> hope, right? But there's a theme in that. Did you hear the theme? The theme is this: is uncertainty. It's like it might happen, might not happen. There's also a theme in there. This is powerlessness. I can't make it happen. I'm totally dependent on forces that I cannot control, and yet I'm affected by the outcome. So I'm wishing, wishing upon a star. And it's a powerless kind of hope, and that is not the kind of hope that we celebrate at Christmas. That's, that, that kind of hope is a maybe-so. The kind of hope we sell about Christmas is a no-so. Let me explain. Like the, in in uh, Christmas, I said that uh, the Advent season is a time that helps us link to, to the past and the present and the future, right? So we'll talk about hope and, and how it affects us and how we celebrate hope past and hope present and hope future. And so when we go into hope past, uh, we, we look at where the Israelites were at, right? But what kind of hope did they have when, when Christ came, right? Uh, think about... Um, Think about the longest you've ever waited for something. It's hard, isn't it? I remember I was at uh, my in-laws over this uh, Thanksgiving break, and Thomas wanted an app for his phone. And so I waited for like four minutes for that thing to download, and it felt like forever. <laughs> right? You could just feel your life draining out of you. You ever had that? But I think even a bigger hope, or a longer wait that I had, was uh, when Amy and I were waiting to get married. We, we met in high school. Uh, she was a freshman, I was a sophomore, and we're both very young in our faith. It, like, I was just a, a, about a month into giving my life to Christ. And, and um, we knew that God had called us to be together. So we committed. We weren't going to be married in high school, but we said, we're going to commit. We're going to be together through this. And so then we had to wait because we didn't know when we were going to get married. We had no idea. Just waiting, but the anticipation, right? And so we waited all the way through the years of high school. And then we went, went to college, right? And then and all through that time, it was like, oh, I just wanted to be married so bad. And then finally the day came. But the waiting was painful. It was. You know, the Israelites knew something about waiting. Uh, they were, their entire history was basically waiting, if you think about it, to, they're waiting on a promise from God. You have Abraham, right? God says, move to this land I'm going to give to you. You're going to have a kid and all this. You're going to have descendants even if you don't have any. And I'm going to, make, I'm going to give you this land. And you're going to be great and all this. And, and Abraham leaves and then he waits, right? And he waits and he waits and he waits and he waits. And decades pass and you're already an old guy and then you're supposed to have a kid. And you're like, come on. And at just the right time, you have Isaac. And then... The people of Israel also were waiting and waiting and waiting on the bigger promise of God. He said, I'm going to send a Messiah. 
I'm going to send a Messiah who's going to save you. And he sent prophets down and to remind them that God was still working on their behalf and he was going to, to send a Savior. And they waited and they waited. For centuries they waited. They waited. There were prophecies. Well, let me just read one from you. In Isaiah 7.14, God gave the people amazing prophecies. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And I think about, not only is that an amazing passage, God's saying, I'm going to be with you, with you. Here's my promise. There's going to be a virgin, she's going to give birth to a son, and, and he's going to be God. Which is pretty amazing and takes a lot of faith to accept. But there's also this other part that says, what was happening in, in, the, in the time of when this promise was made? That the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by a powerful invading army that had already destroyed the northern kingdom. Unstoppable in its military might. It looked as though the people of God were, were doomed. It was a dark time for Israel. It looked as though that, that wickedness had won and that God had abandoned them. It would have appeared. And in the midst of that dark time, that time of great fear and of great poverty, God gives them, gives them this promise and says, Oh, I have not abandoned you. And not only have I not abandoned you, but I'm going to join you. I will be with you. And God did deliver them from, from the hand of their oppressor, but he also then eventually, centuries later, sends a, a, an angel down. And he goes and he meets with this virgin. And you heard the story this morning. A real young woman, just living her life, waiting on the promise, waiting on God, just like most of us do. Unexpectedly, God shows up. See, hope pass is about this. It, it, the reason we celebrate hope past is because it's not a hope that's saying, um, I'm hoping that Jesus, Jesus or God will show up, he'll send a Messiah. It's, it's a promise that he actually did come. He actually keeps his word. So that's the joy that we have that those that came before Christ didn't have. They kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah, just trusting that God would keep his word. We've seen his word kept. That's good news. The Messiah has come. God is with us. So when we look at Advent, in the midst of the darkest times of my life, when I'm waiting for God and I'm waiting for His promise, have you ever done that? Waited for His promise? Waiting for Him to, to keep His word to you that He's somehow using all things together for the good of you who love Him and then call according to His purpose and it just doesn't feel that way? And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting in the midst of the darkness. Hope past reminds us that hope burns bright. That God has not abandoned you and he is at work very much and he keeps his word. At just the right time, God always keeps his word. And so we wait like Israel at Advent. We, we anticipate the coming of Christ as we celebrate the fact that he came. And we don't celebrate the fact that, he, that Jesus came to fix things, that Jesus comes to fix you know, like uh, our computers and, and our broken families or our broken lives. We celebrate the fact that he came at all. God is with us. God is with us. And that's why we have such great joy. It's why we celebrate this and with hope like this. If God hasn't given up on you, right? then maybe you shouldn't give up on you. And if God hasn't given up on this world, then maybe we shouldn't give up on this world.
And if God hasn't given up on the lost yet, then maybe we shouldn't give up on the lost. Right? God is at work. Hope past carries us into this world with boldness and with courage and with optimism because we know that God keeps his word. It lies us into, instead of despair, just waiting for the end to come, it gives us this purpose in waiting. We know that God's at work then. He's keeping his word. It removes our confidence. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now uh, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's assurance. It's a confidence. Do you see the difference? The hope passes. Is a, is a hope that is based on absolute certainty that I can trust God and that God has not abandoned us. And we know that because there was a real live baby in that little manger. God with us. Now, that leads us to then our present day. That past hope is powerful because it helps us today in our own lives. In that, that wonderful verse, the passage that you heard read today from, from Luke, it was a different kind of prophecy than the, the people of Israel had all, like through Isaiah. Right? right? So we got like the memory verse. They got great prophecies for like, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, right? And that's a great promise, because why? The government's going to be on his shoulders. Praise God. And his name's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's going to come. They got this amazing promise, but it was also a little distant, wasn't it? Mary got a much different prophecy. It was, did you hear, like, what as it was read? The angel said, uh, greetings, you who are highly favored by God. And she's probably thinking, what? In fact, we know that's what she was thinking because she asks. And she says, this is a strange kind of greeting. I wonder what it means. And then the angel informs her, you have part of God's big plan. He's out to do something amazing. That Messiah that you were waiting for, that promise that is going to be kept in you. Through you. And that would be phenomenal. Now, have you ever wondered or wished maybe that Gabriel would show up at your house with God's plan for your life? Say, hey, greetings, you who are highly favored. You're like, what? He's like, no, no, God's got you. You're going to go through some difficult stuff. But he's working at it. And this is what he's doing. You ever wish that God would tell you, this is what I want you to do? Take this job and suffer under that boss so you can love him. Right? Care for this family member. Befriend these people. Take on to this ministry. That's what I want you to do. And we think that maybe if we had that, maybe it would be easier to endure what we have. But I wonder if maybe it's not. Can you imagine Mary when she got this message? She had to accept it with faith, didn't she? Because she had a lot of questions, as she should have. She was like, well, hold up. Um, Great to have a kid. I'm a virgin. So there's an issue. And how's this all going to happen? And the angel answers her in a way that says, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, the, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The, the, the power of God's going to overshadow you. You'll have a kid. Don't worry about it. Right? Does that make any sense to any of you? What that means? No, it wasn't either, her either. She'd be like, okay. Right? What gave her faith was that God had a, God had a plan. What does it mean the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you? I don't know. power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. I it's going to happen. God says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
And the angel pointed to something that gave her faith and says, listen, look at your, look at your cousin. She was old. No one said that she could have a kid. And she's having a kid, right? Right, because God said he would. Nothing that God says that he's going to do is impossible. And so she trusted. But it still took faith. Can you imagine as she walked out from there to say, did I just like, you know, pop a gasket in my brain or something? Like this makes no sense. Why would God show up? Why would he show up to me? Why would he do things this way? It makes no sense. I have no political power. I have no influence. I'm just a young lady. I have, I'm not even married, right? I'm betrothed. But I mean, this is, this is crazy, crazy. Why here? Why now? Why me? But she trusted and she said, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. May whatever God wants to do, may it be done. Christmas hope points us to the response like Mary had. Mary had faith in God because she knew God was trustworthy. She was waiting on a promise and God was going to keep it. She didn't have to know all the details. She just had to know the God who was going to keep the promise. That's what hope present is all about. It reminds us that God is still at work. He's still at work in us, keeping his promises, because there's lots of promises that we haven't received yet. As we go through dark times, as things are difficult in our life, as we, as we handle struggles or doubt, doubts or difficulties, Advent, when we look at hope present, it reminds us that we can respond in faith. We can look the fact, the assurance that Jesus came, and we can look then and say, you know what, with the assurance that he's still working in my life and my world today. God still honors faithfulness. And God is still faithful. And with that kind of hope, it changes the circumstances of, of my life or my outlook on my life. In Hebrews, uh, it says this about hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now I got to go whilst I was on my um, trip out to uh, see uh, to, um, to the convention that I was at, um, there was this ark exhibit, a full-size replica of the ark. That is, it was like an hour and a half north of me, and I said, oh, I got to go. So I went on a, uh, after church on Sunday uh, last week, and it's amazing. It is. And I got to learn some things about boats. Well, you're on a huge boat. Who would have thought? And one thing that I learned about boats are anchors. And uh, do you know an anchor? I always thought an anchor's job was just to hold something just still in the water. I thought, you just throw it over and then you, you stick. You're not going anywhere, which it does. That's what an anchor does. But it does something else for boats, which I didn't ever think of. If you drop an anchor on one side and then big waves come, right, they push you so that way you're facing directly into the waves so they don't knock you over. They give you stability so you don't get destroyed by the storms that are around you. That's what hope is. Do you see this? When the storms of life come, and they will come, by the way. Life has storms. It has good times too, but it has storms. When the storms of life come, what anchors us? Doesn't just keep us from being blown away, but also keeps us from being destroyed by the waves. Hope. And it's not just an empty hope, it's a hope in God's promise, a hope in God's presence, a hope in God's power, a hope in God's purpose in our life today. That hope is what keeps us secure and firm, no matter what we're facing. So when the world rages around us, we can have security in Christ. Is that something to be happy about? You better believe it. That's what keeps us from getting on the anxiety train, doesn't it? it? It's a powerful thing. Hope present is a very real and powerful thing. But it points us to something even greater. And that is hope future. 
the hope in what's coming next. See, in Advent, we don't just celebrate that Jesus came. Jesus came. He did his work. He died on the cross and paid the penalty for sin, made a way to be right with God, right? He did all those wonderful things. But he also gave us a promise. And that's this, I'm coming back to finish the job. That's amazing. He's coming back. At Christmas time, we remember that God keeps his promise into a very dark world, and he will continue to keep his promise. He's coming back. Which means this, that the world is broken, but it won't be broken forever. There are storms in life, but they're not going to last forever. Right? There's pain now, but it's not going to last. There's a time coming when Christ will return, and every tear will be dried. Every pain will be healed. Every sorrow will be mended. I love this. Christ is coming back. It says about him, what was that memory verse that we had today, that they will call him Everlasting Counselor, Mighty God. How about this, the Prince of Peace? Can you imagine a world at peace? A life at peace. That's our God. He's coming back. And so while we're, while we're here, we have purpose. Advent is a time we begin to prepare for Christ's return. And how do we prepare for his return? Let me ask this. is a real simple question. If you work for somebody and your boss leaves and tells you to do something, right, how do you prepare for their return? You start doing the things they told you to do. So when they come back, they find you working, right? They're like, hey, this is the way to do it. Right? Or like if uh, your spouse leaves and says, hey, here's the honeydew list. I want to be back in a few hours. How do you prepare for their return? You look at that list and you say, well, I should probably, to show them love, I'm going to start working on some of these things. Right? That's what we do. It's, Christ gave us stuff to do. And it's not bad stuff. He says this, go and love the people who, are, who aren't loved. How about those that are completely lost? Why don't you go tell them that I have come for them and I love them too? How about this? Here's something that's a good thing. I'm going to forgive you of all your sins. I'm going to accept you into my family. Now you can go and you can forgive other people so you don't have to carry burdens of of grudges. That's a good thing. How about this? I'm with you and I want to help in life and I want you to be generous to help others in my name. Can we do that? God's given us great work to do. One of the most important things he's told us to do is to carry this light of hope into our community because we live in a very dark world. One of the things that Hope Future reminds us is that this world isn't so lost that God has given up on it. And so we have a purpose. We live in Estes Park and there's so so many people that live here who have no idea how great God is. They have no idea who Jesus really is. When they look at Christmas, they think it's all about fighting over towels. They have no concept of how great God is. Eternal life, are you kidding me? Forgiveness, joy, purpose, acceptance, all for free grace because God loves you? We have opportunity today to celebrate what God has done by by preparing for his arrival. And we can do that by sharing his amazing gifts with those we live around. Our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, our family members, those who live in darkness so that they too can see a great light. You know, we look look at this this series and we look at even hope, how it's how it bridges the past and the present and the future and the hope past, how, how we realize that because of Christ, we can live with confidence. Right? That, 
with a hope present, we can live with security and a hope future that we can now also live with anticipation. This is a much better way of living. It's a much better way of living thinking we're just on our own, right? Living in the darkness of this cold world. We can live in the light of Christ. We can enjoy this. And so how do you enjoy those particular gifts of hope? How do you unwrap that in your own life? Well, I have some, some suggestions, some things I want to challenge you to do this week that will help. And the first one, if you want to take out your connection card, I have these on the back. Why? Because it helps me to connect with you and help pray for you. But also, uh, it gives some clarity. I think it's good, to, it's good to have next steps. So how do we connect with this hope? Well, the first thing to unwrap the gift, I'm going to say this. Why don't you read the Christmas story? That would be a good thing to do. Find out what God actually did. These are written by people who were there. And we're going to go through the next four weeks, and I'll have the four Christmas stories the, the four, uh, through the Gospels to read. And so the first one, right here, if you want to read the Christmas story, uh, read Matthew chapters 1 and 2. And it's a great thing to do as a family, by the way. And to see what happened when Jesus was born. When God came in the world, what was it like? When hope came down, what was it like? Read it, find out. I think it's important for us to, to connect with the reality of our history. One of the things I love to do is go to old, like the, I went to a, um, as I was driving up to, to my uh, a hotel, there was a Civil War battlefield that was there. And I just, and I just couldn't help but stop, right? Because I wanted to see, and, and I had read about this battle in my history books, but walking there somehow made it real, right? When you connect with the reality, when you read the stories of the crisis, this is not just the fairy tale, Read the story of what it was like when God came. Connect with the reality of it. Do that. Start there. Something else that you might want to do is this. Let Emmanuel in. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Right? That's what he called himself. Do you think he called himself that so that way he could shove you in a faraway corner and then not spend any time with you? The reason he's called God with us this season we celebrate Emmanuel is that God is with us. So maybe this season you begin by inviting him into your celebration. Now this season, you say, you know, God, I want you to, you to join me in this. I'm going to include Christ in my Christmas celebration. I'm going to include Christ into my life. Now, I know there's this thing that says, okay, I want to include the light of the world, and it's easy to include the light of the world when I feel like my life is light, but that's not when we need light the most, is it? Think about when you need lights the most in your house. Is it at noon? Is it after you come home from church? You walk in, you're like, I can't see anything! And the light's all coming in from the windows. Turn on the light. It's nice to have. Doesn't make a big deal. When do you need light? It's when it's dark out. It's like the last couple of weeks when it was like really, really dark. Got dark early and the moon's not up yet, right? And you like walk into your house and you can't see anything. You're fumbling around for the switch. You turn it on you're like, praise the Lord for the lights! Isn't that the way? And if you lose power at night, it's a way worse than when you lose, when you lose power in the day. Here's the thing. In your life, and it's, there's a tendency we have as people, when our lives are in the midst of the darkness, when we are going through struggle and things are hard, that seems to be the time that we don't want to be around the light of life the most. It makes no sense. That's when we need him the most. Now this Christmas, if you're going through a hard time, you're feeling lonely or frustrated or discouraged, invite Christ in. Spend time with him. Bring your doubts to him. Ask him. Ask for his help. Spend time with Emmanuel. That's a great way of and knowing that hope, knowing that he keeps his word, he hasn't abandoned you. So you do, and you know what? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you maybe not even know what that means, but you know that Christians say that from time to time. But you know that maybe you, maybe you, you need to have this relationship with God. You need to invite him into your life. This is what I want you to do on this connection card over here. It says, I would like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. If you check that, make sure you give me your contact information because I need to know how to get a hold of you. But this week, We'll get together. 
and I'll explain it. We'll talk about it. I'll answer your questions. Um, and, and if you're ready, I'll help you make those steps of faith to follow him. Well, I mean, that's a great way of celebrating Christmas, preparing our hearts for it. Something else that we can do is this, trust in God's love. Life is hard. There are going to be storms. It will be painful at times. But Christ's coming reminds us that God has not abandoned us, that he came to save us, that he keeps his promises. Trust in his love. Does God love you? Yeah, he proved it. He came to this earth. That's why it says he came. John 3.16, God God so loved the world that he came, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What an amazing hope. Cling to God's love. You might feel that he's abandoned you, but he has not. You might feel that he's far off, but he is not. It might feel right now that his words, right, he hasn't kept his promise yet. Cling to love. Cling to his love for you this year. And so this is how you can do that trust in God's love and faithfulness is on their connection card. It says this, uh, I am going to cling to hope. And if you do that, I want you to know this week I will be praying especially for you. God will give you the ability of strength just to cling to his hope until you get to see him come through. The last thing, a great challenge for all of us is this, celebrate Christ this Christmas. It's called Christmas for a reason. It's great that we get to give present presents, but let's remember that those presents remind us of the huge gift that God has given us. And when we receive gifts or we give them, let it remind us what a great joy it is for God to give us this gift of life and how much he loves to see us unwrap and enjoy it. As you see the wreaths, may they remind you of the eternal life that God brings. As you see the lights and the candles, may it remind you that the light of the world has come into this very dark world. That God has not given up. Celebrate Christ this Christmas. And one way that you can do that, I'm going to challenge you right here on the thing, is I'm going to challenge you to enjoy it, to come and join us the next four weeks as we celebrate and, and prepare an Advent. Come part of the series. As we begin to unwrap these gifts that God has given us, this love, hope, joy, and peace, as we prepare our hearts for Christ, you say, you know what, I'm going to take some time, I'm going to prepare, prepare myself, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, enjoy this Advent season. I'm going to celebrate Christ, and I'm going to do that. You're going to come and be part of this. You know what, I would, invite, uh, I would encourage you to invite friends. Because there's so many people that we live around that have no idea how great Christmas is. How wonderful God is. So invite them and come. Now maybe you have another uh, commitment. Let me know if you have that because I will be praying for you. Maybe you have a prayer request. Yeah, I want you to like to write that down and in just a couple minutes we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, I would ask you to take these connection cards, put them in the offering basket uh, as we do. Before we do that, um, let me remind you just of that passage that was... Uh, show right before we, we started. It says this. It's from Romans 5.13. And maybe this be true of you. May the, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May that be true of you this week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love, for your kindness, for your presence, for the fact that you give us a reason for true hope, real hope, not just wishful thinking, but assurance. Father, as a congregation, as a church this Christmas season, may we connect with you. Father, may our celebration lead us to a deeper joy. Father, may we come to you with our doubts and our fears, Father, knowing that uh, you have not forsaken us, that you left heaven to come here, here because you love us, that you give us reason for joy, that you've overcome sin, you've overcome death, and you've overcome despair. So Father, help this time as for us as a church to connect with you and to remember the, what Christmas is all about. 
And Father, in this, I pray as you help us as we, we keep these commitments that we've made today. May they not just be things to do, but Father, may they be uh, offerings of our heart. Lord, back to you. And as we respond uh, to you and as we, as we follow these things faithfully, I pray that you would change us from the inside out and that your hope would spring anew in us, Father. And I also pray for many opportunities to share the incredible joy, the hope of Christmas with those that we live around. Give us opportunities and words and words and faithfulness, we ask. And Lord, we also are going to pray for the offering that we get to bring. A gift back to you, the God who has gifted us with all things. May it be honoring to you, we ask in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.